Hi, this is James Barris. I hope you find this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated. We're going to start this uh, series on the seven factors of enlightenment tonight. And uh, as I said a little while ago, tonight we'll go over the, um, the uh, an overview of the seven factors and how they work together, how we can understand them not only in intensive practice, but also in our daily life practice. A few months ago, uh, I gave a series of talks on um, enlightenment. And by the way, all the talks are recorded and you can just go to the the website, uh, insightberkeley.org and, uh, and hear whatever happens uh, in our Thursday group. It's, it's usually recorded, whether it's me or other guest speakers. Um, and this is the list that the Buddha gave to understand how we can create the conditions for that awakening that he spoke of and taught. As he said, he he taught not for the not for a feeling of 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 happiness or not of um, not for a feeling of of well-being, although those things are are important, but he taught, ultimately, he was saying, he taught for the sure heart's release, for the complete release of suffering in our heart or in our mind, a mind that's free of grasping, free of attachment, aversion and delusion or confusion. This is why he was sharing what he discovered under the Bodhi tree. Now, it just so happens, the good news is that if you go for that highest happiness, you get all the other happinesses along the way. So you can't lose in, in the deal. You know, If all you end up with this particular lifetime, if you can relate to more than one lifetime, uh, if all you end up with is deep sense of well-being and peace that opens your heart and you're full of love and compassion, well, you know, just settle for that this time around. <laughs> and just know that there's even something beyond that feeling of temporary well-being. And this is why... He was teaching because he found something truly transformative um, under the tree when he sat. He said, anybody, everyone can have this experience and and, uh, uproot the causes of suffering. So in um, in the four foundations of mindfulness there, which we've gone through here, 
there are there's a, the foundation of noticing of being mindful of the body, noticing the the flavor of experience is a second foundation, noticing all the mind formations, mental formations is the third foundation, and the fourth foundation is what's called mindfulness of the dharmas or mindfulness of the dhammas, and it's different lists that explain how the mind gets caught and the, how the mind can be freed. Two of the five lists in that last mindfulness um, uh, foundation are key. The ones about how the mind gets caught, called the five hindrances. He says, be on the lookout for these things, for desire, for aversion, for sloth and torpor or a, a dull mind, restlessness and agitation and, and worry and doubt. He says those are the, the big five that get in the way. And the good news is that there are these qualities that are antidotes to those hindrances that not only counteract them, but can create the conditions for awakening. And that is this list of the seven factors of awakening or enlightenment. It's, it's uh, actually uh, maybe useful to get a bigger picture about these mental factors, what are called mental factors. And I've said this before, but just so you get the, the, the big landscape like those five hindrances and those seven factors are all part of a bigger uh, pool of factors that the human mind and heart are capable of. When I say mind and heart, the same word is used for both mind and heart in, uh, in, uh, in Sanskrit, citta, sometimes People talk about it as heart qualities or sometimes mind qualities. So whichever one relates to you, you relate to, I should say. So out of these different qualities, there are 52 qualities, mental factors altogether, or heart qualities. Some of them are wholesome factors. Some of them are unwholesome, like the hindrances. Some of them arise in every moment that are called common factors that are neither wholesome nor unwholesome, depends what else is there. And some of them are what are called particulars that rise from time to time, neither wholesome nor unwholesome also. So that's, that's the, the deck that we're dealt, 52 mental factors, right? <clears throat> and hopefully you have a full deck with you. And there are these seven particular factors that he said are prerequisites, are the conditions for the mind to be free. Now, there's... Well, I'll just first mention the seven factors and then we'll, we'll go through them. And there's, there's a couple of different ways to understand this list. So the seven factors are mindfulness, investigation, 
interest, investigation, very, uh, very much in my mind the same. Investigation, energy, or effort, also very close together. Energy is the actual translation. Joy, hey, joy, rapture, calm, or tranquility, Happiness? No, that's not one of them. Okay, so tranquility, concentration, and equanimity. Those are the seven. These are probably not foreign to you. Maybe you don't abide in them as much as you'd like, but these are qualities of heart and mind, that are both byproducts of the practice. If you've ever done a retreat, you probably know for yourself how investigations start. You, you just start becoming interested in things. As you're, as you're more mindful, you become more interested in things. And you have energy, and there's sometimes real joy, and there's moments of calm and there's moments of real concentration, and then uh, perhaps there's moments of real peace and balance and equanimity. So they are naturally developed through the mindfulness practice, and they can also consciously be cultivated as you're practicing, either in intensive practice or in daily life, and the Buddha said in this in that list of the four found the uh, the fourth foundation, he said, take a look and see. Oh, is there mindfulness present in the mind? Is there uh, equanimity present in the mind, or is it absent? He says, check every now and then. This is not a bad thing to do to just kind of assess, oh, what's going on right now? He says, if you know these factors, you can see their presence and really um, um, value them and use them to support your deepening understanding. Or if they're not, know that they're not present as well. Not, not to give yourself a bad grade. You know, that, that just works against you. Oh, darn it, I don't have any calm. You know, you're, you're certainly not going to get more calm that way. Um, but to see, oh, this isn't present here, and perhaps I could use some more of this. In fact, when people come in, um, you know, when you do a retreat, you're, you're checking in with um, an interview every couple of days, two or three days. Uh, you check in for about 15 minutes with the teacher. And one of the things that teachers are having in mind is this list to see where things are out of balance. What does this person need? You might not say it overtly. Oh, you need some calm. Maybe you would. You say, oh, what, what can we do? I think calm might... What do you need? Sometimes you say, I need to kind of chill out or be calm. Oh, okay. How can we do that? 
or perhaps they need some more energy. And then you see, oh, how can that, how can we support that? And so knowing this list as a, as a, a guide is very helpful to see what's out of balance and support somebody knowing that as they bring this more into their practice, then every, all the other factors will benefit and, and be in, uh, in harmony. So, there's two ways to understand this list. One is a linear understanding. One factor leads to the next, leads to the next, leads to the next, and so on. And another way is not so much a linear as um, a balance. And they're both valid ways to understand one's practice. So I want to talk a bit about um, each of those understandings or ways to work with the seven factors. Then tonight I'll, I'll just briefly go through them. And uh, as I say, then we'll each week go in more detail and take them on as practices. So, the first of these factors, the most important, and one can really say the most important, that's what the Buddha said, the most important. All of meditation is based on the cultivation of mindfulness as he says in the Discourse on Mindfulness, the Satipatthana Sutta. He said, there is one direct way or one wonderful way, most wonderful way to overcome sorrow, lamentation, grief and despair, end pain and anxiety and realize the highest happiness. That is the establishment of mindfulness. Mindfulness is the start and it's so key because it is, it has a unique property of all of these 52 factors. It is the one, one factor that weakens all the unwholesome factors and strengthens all the wholesome factors. That's pretty cool. And that's, it's like this big secret. Oh, wow. Mindfulness. Not even about, I mean, one can value, and I certainly do, love and compassion and forgiveness and generosity and patience and all of these wonderful, wonderful qualities that the human heart is capable of. But this one factor has the unique property of developing all of those other wonderful qualities and diminishing the ones that confuse us and get in the way. Now, one could also say if you are completely filled with love, then 
there is the development of many, many wholesome factors. And I'm all, uh, the way I see mindfulness is that there's a friendliness, there's a kindness, there's a love that's right in there. And when you're filled with really unconditional love, you're not getting caught in the unwholesome factors. But why mindfulness is so liberating is that in mindfulness you are seeing how experience is unfolding one moment after another. And so you are noticing and directly understanding the truth of impermanence, directly understanding the truth that holding on to that which is changing will be suffering. And also the truth of the understanding that this very mind and body is a process in itself. And we're not who we think we are. We're not as solid as we think. This sense of self that we uh, either need to protect or defend or puff up or aggrandize, that when you understand those things, the impermanent nature of reality, the suffering that comes from holding on, and the selfless nature of who we are, those understandings are really what frees the mind of any kind of grasping, of any kind of taking experience to be me or mine and it leads to that deep sense of connection and love that we all are looking for. Simply by paying attention to what is happening in this moment. It's, when I think about it, how he figured that out, you know, it just is, it's like this incredible secret that then is a gift to everybody. Oh, you just have to pay attention. You know, when you were a kid, and how many times did you hear, pay attention, come on now, pay attention. They were right. right? <laughs> Only they didn't realize how profound it was. When you really pay attention, life reveals itself to you. And you see directly the experience of the impermanent nature and the selflessness of, of who we are. There are many different ways to be mindful. Like I said a moment ago, you can be mindful of the breath, you can be mindful of, of sensations in the body, or you can know that there's a sound, you can be mindful of thoughts or emotions. There's many different ways to develop mindfulness. As I've mentioned here before, Jack Cornfield has this wonderful book, Living Dharma, uh, which is 12 different masters from Burma and Thailand talking about different ways to develop mindfulness. So it's not that there's just one way to do it. And if you look at the, the, uh, the discourse on mindfulness, the Buddha gives many, many, many different ways to develop mindfulness. But the basic idea is quite simply knowing what's happening right now 
without having a judgment about how you think things should be. But just the bare experience. This is what's happening with no editorial comment. A complete acceptance of this moment. Connecting with this moment. Right now. Close your eyes for a moment. And just notice your experience in this moment right now. Either in your body or your mind. Your mind might be saying, gosh, I hope we get through all seven of these or whatever it goes. You know, oh, that's just thinking in the mind. Or maybe there's an emotion. Maybe you're kind of still reverberating from something that happened today or something that you're looking forward to or a general mood that you're in, whether a, a delightful mood or a not delightful mood. Or maybe you're just tuned into what's happening in your body. Maybe you're tired. Maybe you're alert. Maybe you're um, uh, excited. Maybe you're calm. Whatever it is, just know what's happening right now without any judgment about it. Just tell it like it is to yourself. Oh, this is what's happening. If you can notice and know this is a moment of mindfulness. Okay, if you like, you can open your eyes. And for the purposes of the meditation, it doesn't matter whether it's a good show or an unple- a pleasant show or an unpleasant show. As one of my colleagues says, awareness doesn't care. That's the amazing thing. We think, oh, things have to be really wonderful for us to pay attention. And if it's not, is there any way I can distract myself? You know, what else is going on? You know, it's got to check email. Well, maybe I'll get lost in hyperlink reality. Maybe that, maybe that'll make me feel a little better. Mindfulness says, okay, this moment is enough whether it's a pleasant moment or an unpleasant moment. And we can train ourselves to be with anything. As I sometimes do uh, in in the beginning class, uh, I'll just do this now. Right now, put your hand out in front of you and move it back and forth slowly. Close your eyes. Put all your attention on feeling the movement. The vibration, the muscles, the bones moving. Right now, is there any confusion? Any fear? Any tomorrow? Any yesterday? Is just feeling the movement. Just let yourself feel it. You can open your eyes. That's it. You were just mindful again. It's two times. And in that moment, 
There's nothing that you need to add to make it a better moment or take away to make it a better moment. It's just what it is and there's a fullness and a balance that says, okay, this moment is the way it is. That's mindfulness. Knowing what's happening in a non-judging, kind awareness that opens up to the, the moment in a friendly way. Mindfulness leads, can lead to the next factor, which is investigation. This is something that we all have. We all have this capacity. We all come into this world with this capacity of just wanting to know. Just wanting to check it out. Just having that curiosity. You know, you ever see a, 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 a little baby just filled with discovery? Wow. Let's check it out. That's it. That's, I, I, I don't know if I mentioned this here recently. I mentioned it on the, on the retreat. Uh, when I think of investigation, there's this, I have this birthday card at home uh, that of this little baby. I've never sent it away because it's too precious a card to, to give away. And he's got a booger in his hand. And he is mesmerized, cross-eyed, this is a real, not quite cross-eyed, but kind of almost. And he's just fascinated. And you open it up and it says, you always were easy to entertain. Happy birthday. That, to me, is like the essence of just being interested in this moment of life. And we all have that capacity. It comes from time to time, especially when you're around kids. That's one of the beautiful things, being around you know, young, young kids. It's like everything is fascinating and it kind of reminds you in that same way to awaken that. This is awakening the factor of investigation. And what happens as you're mindful, the more mindful you are, and the less kind of like you're half here and kind of sleepwalking and, and multitasking and having ten other things in your mind, the more you're really present, like for a sunset or for a conversation or for um, you know, a, an activity that, that you're engrossed in watching. When you're really present, it's more interesting, isn't it? Well, that's how mindfulness begets investigation. The more present you are, the more you want to pay attention and check things out. So there's this natural development. You see more clearly, you want to check it out. What is going on here anyway? What is this moment about? Mindfulness leads to investigation. Investigation leads to energy. Because you know when you're interested in something, it's not boring, right? 
the fact that it's not boring when you're really interested, it just kind of gives you energy. Isn't that so? Now, this certainly happens in intensive practice. As you, as you bring a wakefulness that's just checking things out, it becomes um, enlivening. There's a vitality that comes because you're connected with the moment. And that energy can be used for practice. That energy, after your the mindfulness leading to investigation, leading to energy, leads to the next factor, which is joy, sometimes called rapture. That in the in the in this list is on one hand referring to a kind of joyful, energetic experience that comes when the mind starts to become very interested in the object. It becomes a keen interest. And there is this kind of... You ever, you ever completely immerse yourself into a project you know, where you're just full-heartedly there you're just pouring yourself into it. You've got energy. You're really interested. You're in the zone. And there's this fullness that's quite joyful, isn't it? You know, you're, of course, if you, um, what just came to my mind, skiing down a, a slope. That's pretty joyful. Okay. But even just seeing a sunrise or a sunset or taking, sorry, taking in nature. Whoa. Taking in nature. You know, it's like, Wow! And you're really here for it? There's a fullness about it that is very, not only energizing, but joyful. In the meditation, this can also happen with very strong states of concentration, where this quality of rapture and high energy is a natural kind of a um, a byproduct of that keen interest and, and, and energetic interest. As you become more and more connected with your experience and have that quality of joy, then, the Buddha said, the next thing to do is just kind of let it even itself out. Because if you get too excited, you can get spun out. And so, you don't want to get so, you know, so zooming off that you lose your stability. And so, he says, next, as, and, and this happens with deep concentration, the high of excitement kind of levels off into a more uh, a quality of contentment which is actually a higher level of happiness according to this model and contentment leading to it just kind of like a real smoothing out. That is the next quality of tranquility or calm. And this also happens in the meditation. Calm, 
can lead to this kind, and as you're developing these, say, in a sequence, and it, it's not that kind of textbooky where you say, okay, I'll do this, now I do this, now I do this, but it's just, this is a natural progression, a kind of spiral of greater and greater development as, say, you an intensive practice. Uh, it can look like this. With tranquility, when the mind is kind of really connected and very whole, but feeling a kind of relaxed calm, then there's even a deeper level of concentration that comes. Because you want to pay attention, but there's a kind of kind of smoothing out where it's not so jittery and jangly, where it's just a, a very simple one-pointed connection that unfolds as concentration. And from all of these qualities developing together, they culminate or they lead to, I shouldn't say culminate because there's something beyond it, but they lead to the state of equanimity. And equanimity is not detachment. It's not, you know, oh, well, it doesn't matter. You know, whatever. Equanimity is not whatever. Equanimity is a kind of true balance that's quite connected, that has a heartful connection to the experience, but is undisturbed by the vicissitudes, by the ups and the downs. Pleasant, unpleasant, there's a spaciousness enough to hold it all. And you probably know those times Perhaps they're, they're fewer than you'd like, but those times in your life where there is a profound whatever, not, I'm not talking about in the meditation cushion, but where you really say, whatever is okay. Different ways that you can say whatever. You can say, whatever, you know, whatever, but not really mean it. Or you can say, whatever, it's okay. And that kind of profound okayness with everything, that leads to a deep balance of the mind and the heart, which is the... Is that outside? Whatever. Leads to a, a balance, an equipoise, out of which, when the mind becomes very spacious, calm, and very present, that is the precursor, that's the condition out of which the experience of awakening happens. So, that's one way to understand this list. One leads to the next, develops the next, not perfectly linear, but there is that natural progression that can happen. The other way that you can see this list is balancing. This is a list of true balancing. Mindfulness, the first factor, 
and the other six have three are have one quality and three have another. The first the first three after mindfulness, investigation, energy and joy are kind of uplifting qualities. They're energizing qualities. All of them. They they bring a certain quality of aliveness to us. The last three, calm, concentration, and equanimity, are um, stilling factors. They bring a kind of... Um, ease and peace to us. And both are needed. That's where if somebody is out of balance with the energizing factors, what happens? They get, even if, it's, even if things are seen, seem to be going well, they can get restless. Too much of a good thing and you get amped up. If it's too much on the latter part, Oh, yeah, I'm feeling kind of calm. Yeah. yeah. Really kind of focused, but that focus can lead to um, sleepiness very easily, what's called sinking mind. And equanimity, yeah, it's all, it's all okay. If there's not enough energy, then one, there's a dullness that happens. So, to see how they operate, mindfulness is the balancing factor between both of those. Mindfulness has both an alertness and a calmness to it. So, it's the perfect balance, once again, this extraordinary quality. And to know where you are on the energy scale, what is needed in your life, both if you're doing intensive practice or if you are in your life, if you're getting a little amped up, hmm, time to chill out. If you're getting a bit laid back or sluggish or kind of like in a funk and just can't seem to get yourself out of it, time to bring some vitality and energy to it. So I would just... Um, encourage you, we'll have a little bit of time to check in, but I, I'd encourage you this, this week, if you want to play around with this, now, it's hard to keep seven in your mind at the same time, but you can, actually, if there's one that really speaks to you, that you think you'd like to cultivate, then go for that. To know that mindfulness, every moment of mindful, mindfulness, you are cultivating all the others. You can't lose. But particularly, notice on the energetic continuum what you need to bring about a real sense of well-being. And no, no report card on this. You know, you're not doing anything wrong. It's just something that you can check in and say, "Hmm, I'm kind of, uh, you know, getting into a, into a funk here, and I'm just like, not that funks are bad, but maybe I'm just kind of getting into a rut, and I need to bring some wakefulness. What'll bring me some wakefulness this week or right now?"
you know, maybe I need to go out for a walk and kind of you know, shake out the cobwebs. Or if you're getting a little amped up and you're worried or frenetic or you're just kind of like going from one thing to another, you might see, oh, I need to just bring some calming qualities to, uh, to my life right now. I need to just relax. I need to take a coffee break, or not me, a herbal tea break, or, you know, something to just chill out a bit. Or I need to just uh, get a little bit more space in, in my mind or in my heart. So that's something ha- that you can work with uh, as we go through uh, this week together. Mindfulness or, uh, or on the energetic level, or you might pick a, a quality and... Uh, and see about cultivating uh, that one as we go through the whole list in the subsequent weeks. So, um, I think I'll, I'll stop here now and just see any questions that, that, might, uh, that might have arisen from all of this. Either, and uh, here, would you, uh, can you pass this back? Pass it behind you. All the way back. It's a Claudia back there. Uh, either about this list or about bringing it into practice. And yeah, great. Um, when you were talking about sort of mindfulness in the center and you know the other three on each side of it, it sort of reminded me of downward facing dog. You know, like the two the two energetic sides pushing to the to the middle. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the whole thing is about balance. I don't know if you remember those old enough to remember there used to be an album A Question of Balance Moody Blues great album <laughs> last song on that album really good A Question it's all a question of balance in fact you can think of the whole the whole path as one of balance there's the, the all of these lists there's the five faculties faith balances wisdom Energy balances uh, concentration. Uh, lots of different balancing lists. And it's all a matter, because equanimity, it's all kind of leading up to equanimity. Almost every list, equanimity is the last one in the list, whether it's the ten paramitas or the, the, uh, the seven factors or the four Brahma Viharas. Equanimity or the, or the, the different jhanas. Equanimity is, is the precursor to the awakening. So, how to find balance within yourself? You can't go. You can't have too much balance. I think. If balance is really a place of ease and openness to everything, it doesn't mean laziness. Doesn't mean disconnection. But that's something for you to just explore this week, as far as balance goes. That's 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 the secret to the whole thing. You might ask yourself, where am I out of balance? Um, so right now I'm taking a course on the paramis. Uh-huh. And um, I'm interested in, if why wouldn't the Buddha say, if you um, uh, are enlightened with the par- why wouldn't the paramis be enlightenment, or are they? The paramis, there, there are ten perfections. It's another list uh, that is a very profound list. Those are the qualities 
that it said the Buddha developed over many, many lifetimes. There are perfections that when, you know, starting with generosity and, and virtue and, and uh, effort and renunciation, and there's a whole lot of them. He said, said these are the things that helped him in his development to full realization over lifetimes and that we can develop on our own. I, I did give a, it's there somewhere in the, uh, the recording, a, a, a series of talks on the paramis. But these particular factors are the ones that are the conditions for awakening to happen right here and now. So it's a slight, it's a, they, they're, they're all really good qualities. But the paramis are something that you kind of work work on over in the course of one's lifetime. But these are the factors that when brought into ripening and maturity and fruition open you up. That's, that's the difference that I see anyway. Yes, sir. I'm trying to think of how I can practically, uh, I have a tendency in situations to bring a lot of energy and enthusiasm and serves me well in many situations and recently it hasn't. It's been overpowering and uh, bowled people over and jammed out the very results I was trying to achieve and could maybe have achieved had I been a little bit more relaxed and calm and tranquil mm -hmm. and I uh, recently went into a situation thinking, okay, now I'm going to be calm. <laughs> And I had the self-awareness going in that being more calm, learning how to attenuate my energy would serve me well. And at the end of the day, I felt like such a failure because I repeated the pattern of being a little bit overamped mm -hmm. and then not getting the result I wanted. Mm -hmm. So I'm asking myself, how do I move from self-awareness to wanting to attenuate my energy so it is matching the situation mm -hmm. to actually doing it. Yeah. That's, that's the big question, isn't it? Yeah. Well, just first to keep in mind that the step of self-awareness is key. Nothing will change without that. So don't underestimate the fact that you see, oh, still a little bit overamped. As long as you're not laying on a whole trip of judging yourself for it, damn it, there I go again. That that serves no one. But if you see, oh yeah, still there, you're just bringing more consciousness to something that would typically be unconscious. So don't underestimate that. Actually, if you can, I know this might seem a little bit like a stretch, rejoice in the fact that you're seeing it. Oh, because each time you see it, you get a little bit better. You know, and and actually, you know, you're looking at somebody who get very overamped about lots of things. I got very intense about something that 
cooled me out. But still, I can get intense about things, but it's very different now than it used to be. So it's still a, a work in progress, but as long as you're heading in the right direction and you're learning each time, especially if you if you ask for feedback or to enroll people along the way, hey, I'm really wanting to work on this, then people are going to be really wanting to support you in that. Uh, it, this is all a process, and it takes patience, which is one of the perfections. You know, it said that the, the spiritual journey requires a cup of wisdom, a barrel of love, and an ocean of patience. So, don't try to get ahead of yourself, but just be as, take it as a conscious practice each time. And as long as you're facing in the right direction, that, that's the thing that counts. Okay, so I think it's uh, just about time to go. Uh, we'll close with a, a short loving kindness. And uh, yeah, this can be fun. This can be a, um, a real gift to yourself if you work at these or experiment with, with these qualities. And for this week, particularly since it's been mentioned a couple of times, just notice where, you're, where you might be out of balance and what's needed and know that mindfulness is the way to bring yourself into balance at, at any moment. So, why don't you just uh, let your attention focus in the heart center. Take a few deeper breaths and breathe in a, a kind, loving energy from around you. Right into your heart. Let it fill your being and breathe it out. Surround yourself with that energy. And send some kind thoughts to yourself. May I be more in balance in my life. May I see through my confusions with kindness, with kind awareness. May I know real peace inside and share my love well. May I open up to greater understanding and wisdom. And then to send these thoughts out to everybody here and to all beings in all directions. May all beings find balance in their lives. Find peace. May all connect with the love that's inside and grow in wisdom. And may our coming here together be of benefit to all beings everywhere.
very much. Have a great week. See you next week.
Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.